Every six months, the European Union presidency rotates to another EU member state. The fact is, many, if not most of these presidencies, pass without much notice or impact. However, the 2017 presidency of Estonia is seen as one of the most successful and has had a large impact on Europe's health strategy. Aina Viksu was the Deputy Health Minister and oversaw the groundbreaking implementation of Estonia's e-health platform. It is a showcase of what can be accomplished by a government while at the same time respecting the confidentiality and wishes of citizens. Aina is now the Chief Medical Officer of the blockchain company GuardTime and it's a great opportunity to have a chat with you, Aina. How are you, sir? I'm good. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. It's always uh, great to see you as well. Now, your background's interesting because you studied quantitative sciences, but also Harvard Public Health. That's right. So why aren't more governments putting in place systems like you have in Estonia that are there to improve public health? If you put together data and politics, (laughs) you sometimes get into this situation. It's... um, there are people who believe in evidence-based policymaking, mm-hmm. but too often we see policy-based evidence-making. <laughs> so I think, I think uh, we just need to master more the data that, that we have. And that was a reason why I really went to, to study in the States. Actually, I had two scholarships. One, one was to London School of Economics and another one was to go to Harvard. And I decided to go to the U.S. because the ability to you know, work with data and quantify uh, your your evidence and, and uh, squeeze out really all the you know, information out of the data. I think that's what US is very good for. But I knew that I will come back to Europe because the way the health policy is designed, I like uh, in, in Europe. So I think if we could learn to master the data uh, as it is in, in US and then actually apply that knowledge really uh, deliberately to f- serve better uh, policies, I think that would be my ideal. You need to have both of those. And I think that's, that's what uh, maybe is lacking, that maybe too soft policymaking is preventing us from going to the hard evidence, yeah. uh, even though we could. Aren't a lot of the health systems here, basically they're political systems, right? I mean, by definition, if you are paid by the state, you're a bureaucrat. So aren't a lot of the people deriving their political power through access to data? I mean, doesn't this in many ways become their power base within an institution? Yes, this is uh, where it is going right now. But it hasn't been uh, uh, like this so far because getting access to the data, even if it you know, applies to your own body and, and, and health, hasn't been uh, that good. In Estonia, we have made some progress on that, starting from the clinicians. Since the time Estonian citizens get access to the data, the very same data and information about the health that their doctors get, we didn't have a you know, wave of, of people getting crazy about the information that they didn't understand. On the contrary, they actually do feel that they are better informed and doctors say that their interaction and communication with the patients about the health has improved. With that. Now, before we go any further, I think it's important we actually have you define what exactly you did with the e-health system in Estonia. Can you tell us exactly? I mean, we're talking now about doctor interaction and things. So, how did that? How did you facilitate that? Oh. How did you get there? That's very simple. <laughs> oh, uh, well, that's, I'm yeah. glad to hear. I'm sure there's a lot of member states that would like to know it. Yes, it is very simple. First, you start with the notion that there will be never a moment when everybody has all the information. So you start with the fact that you need to build a system which is capable of uh, sharing and integrating data from different sources when you need it. 
Fortunately for Estonia health system, the whole country, the whole society is built based on that principle. So we do have universal data exchange layer called X-Road, not only for healthcare, but all the other areas as well. So we just implemented that principle, which was initially planned for different government departments to exchange information between themselves also into healthcare, so that all the hospitals were plugged to the same X-Road, all the family medicine doctors were plugged to the same X-Road, and then they agreed for a start just basic standard information set and started to exchange that. And over time, the information that was exchanged was more and more complex. And now you can generate very sophisticated flows of, of services. The simplest one, e-prescription, actually combines five different entities exchanging data between seven different databases, each of which are autonomous, but play out a very elegant and very efficient e-prescription system. So you essentially were then acting as the chief information officer of Estonia. You essentially were offered this position. Yes, that's that's true. In most, there's an old joke in in corporations that when you get offered CIO, it means career is over. Uh, were you happy? What, what was your first feeling when they offered you this? What would seem like from an external person a Herculean task. If you are working in a private sector and then you are offered a position to innovate and manage the health system at a country level, I do not know many people who would say no to that offer. It was huge and my days, uh, my, my working hours definitely extended from the time before I, I joined the government. This was exactly the reason why I went there. It was interesting. Well, the position actually didn't exist before I started. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to learn from anyone. I had to invent what this role for the, for the government means, Chief Information and Innovation Officer for Healthcare and Social, social Care. I had uh, wonderful colleagues. I built uh, a great team. And, uh, well, the legacy uh, still lasts, even though I must tell it was, how would I put it, a bit slower, the whole decision-making in the state uh, or government machinery uh, but nevertheless, uh, uh, the colleagues uh, uh, who still work there, we talk and discuss uh, the things. Uh, and I'm happy that many of the uh, achievements at that time are continued with consecutive. Well, just the, the other day, Estonia and Finland declared that now the real cross-border healthcare services in European Union are a reality because the Finnish patients can purchase their pharmaceuticals in Estonia using the electronic prescriptions uh, from Finland. Vice, and vice versa? Does it go both ways? Uh, uh, the other way, it starts slightly later because they test it in one way and then in, in another way. It started at the time uh, when I was chief information officer. It was a huge task from the technical, from the legal point of view. But, uh, well, finally, uh, we succeeded. There have been many efforts around Europe. I'm sure you're aware there was eHealthData.gov in the UK, which ended up failing and it ended up costing £21 billion, nearly $30 billion for a, a project that didn't work. You know, Europe is a graveyard of failed IT projects. Yet you managed to pull this off in Estonia. How much of this is technical and how much is it just cultural to the innovative culture of Estonia? In each circumstances, you make use of the culture that you have. And obviously, the, the technology, either which you, you know, find out uh, globally or what your local engineers can develop. Of course, the, the actual way how it was implemented in Estonia, 
owes to the, the, the culture and, and the practice uh, as, as we have evolved uh, our society. I wouldn't say, for that matter, it would be impossible in other circumstances. To me, any e-health or digital health project contains three components that need to be aligned to each other. There has to be a technology which is fit or allows to implement certain legal rules, uh, regulations, and then the data governance around that. So, you know, people need to know what to do. The business processes need to be aligned around those. So that the trick probably is to understand what is the best fit between them. So that, yes, we had progressive technology available outside of healthcare that we made use of. But I know many other countries or regions who have been able to implement the same thing, but with different technology. But always there has to be a political leadership. And that is definitely something not unique to Estonia in terms of that it couldn't be elsewhere. We were lucky to have leadership in healthcare, but also overall e-government side, if you, if you will, which helped make decisions even under certain, uh, let's say, uncertainty. So we have never claimed to ourselves or, or to our citizens that there won't be any problems. So the, the, the culture allows to be happy with the solution which solves 80-90% of your problems. And then you leave that last mile to be dealt with once the big part of the problem has been solved. If you have the support of the upper levels of the administration, is a big difference than the cultural willingness of the population to go along with the government? Because that's a huge thing that we see with a lot of the other member states. It's the pushback from the people. Is it that there's just a level of trust in Estonia? What makes Estonia different? Is it the size? Is it, is it the fact you're small? Okay. Yes, uh, Estonia is much smaller than you know Germany or, or, or England or France. We started with e-health uh, six years after the current e-state, as we know it, was uh, started. And e-state, when you say that means you can vote online, you can do all your taxes online, you can basically interact with, completely uh, we start, with the government. Let, let's start with, with finding your taxes. Sure. I think that was the cleverest thing you could do. And even maybe, I think two, three years ago, I read from somewhere that, that when you poll in Estonia, then the tax authority is one of the, the most trusted uh, <laughs> parties. And in Estonia, people love to pay the taxes because it's frictionless. Yeah. So you, that, you so that the you first... You don't get that in other countries right. in Europe. <laughs> anyway, anyway you know, each country needs to find, you know, their, their uh, uh, you know, most, most advised public service and make a nice service to the citizens. So it started with finding your taxes, but then also uh, the private companies developed mobile parking. So gradually those digital services demonstrated to people that their life gets much more better and enjoyable and hassle-free. So if you, under those circumstances, introduce that, well, by the way, now your doctor at the hospital and your doctor in the GP's office actually know both about you and you don't need to retell your story every time. People loved the idea and they did not have this distrust that Maybe they are doing something dodgy 
in addition to exchanging my health files just for my own uh, benefit. But the system is also really fantastic in that it puts a lot of decision-making at the level of the actual patient, the data owner, ultimately, because they can go in and decide where the data goes, who gets what, and there's a complete audit trail of who has seen the data. Now, how did that come about? Because that's quite a sophisticated system. Yes, that, again, probably cannot be told only about your health data. That is very true, that from the very first version of the digital uh, government system in Estonia, the concept that the well legal term data subject or the individual is controller of their data. And I think if the very first services from when the tax authority gets automated reports from all your employers and then pre-populates your, your tax return sheet. At the same time, you know publicly where and how they got that information. So this transparency has been like the default component of all public services in Estonia. And that absolutely has helped to gain and maintain this trust towards any public services in the digital domain, including e-health. And then I remember I was at a conference where President Toombs was speaking and he said, you know, who cares about sharing my data after I'm dead? I'm not going to use it. And so it seems like there was from top down, there was a real openness and a willingness to be creative with how you guys used your data. Yes. And at the same time, even though Estonian e-health system is what's called an opt-out system so that if you do not want your data to be shared, you can close either a certain file or your entire medical record. Now, at any given uh, point of time, approximately 0.6% of Estonians execute that right. Mm -hmm. And they're not always the same people, which means that we, we do not force on people these, these public services, which are nice and digital and seamless and uh, you know, make your life more enjoyable. If you want to maintain your own kind of right to, uh, to tell the doctor the story by yourself or open it only to that doctor that, that you trust at that moment, then you have the right to do so. Again, there are balances for those individuals. There are always in the society people who have less trust towards what is offered to them, and that's fine. And your system allows them to execute, execute their free will. By all means. Yeah. I'd like to turn a bit to the presidency again, because from where I sit in Brussels, there's a lot of grousing and saying, do we really need to do this? And a lot of the member states are not happy about it. You hear the team saying, oh, this is such a distraction. But yet, if you look at what happened in 2017, people say that, wow, the Estonians really did something different and you did something quite special. Now, you were responsible for the healthcare work in that presidency. And what I found fascinating was the sort of international focus that you brought to that. You dragged the globe to <laughs> to Estonia for those conferences. Was that part of the overall strategy or did that just sort of come out in the wash while you were working on it? No, that was, that was a very careful uh, strategic planning. So we did that before the presidency. Actually, we had hoped uh, we would have uh, six more months for preparations. <laughs> uh, we all know who voted. Well, uh, uh, yes. who, who all voted. Uh, something you know, happened. Uh, yeah. Something happened. So we, ha we had to take, uh, uh, take up our, our, uh, our, our job uh, six months earlier. Uh, but yes, we thought, okay, what could we possibly achieve within six months? Well, not much. We had, you know, whiteboard sessions and, and the dis discussions. Uh, and, and then we boiled it down to a very, you know, basic thing. 
we knew already at that time that people like what Estonia has been doing, but we were not happy that in most cases all the conversation started with a question, is it safe? Right. So we decided our strategic goal with our presidency towards health and information management in healthcare is to change that first question. So instead of asking, is it safe? We were happy if after six months, people would come to Estonia and ask, how can we do it safely? Right. How, do we, how do we execute it? How we execute it. Yeah. And, and, and there came, okay, what do we need to do in order for people you know, to start thinking differently about it? So what message would you have for some of the other smaller EU countries who are coming up to presidencies? What message would you give to them to say, hey, here's how you can do it? The first message is that be focused. In our case, in addition to healthcare, other policy areas highlight the, the digital agenda so that we gather kind of resonance uh, towards our activities in health domain from all the others as well. Work internally in the country uh, with other departments. Okay, what would be the messages uh, or then the activities that support each other and then really pick this one goal that right. you want to achieve. It, it can be a policy document. We, we, we wanted to have a policy document, but when then we realized that there was nothing, you know, on the agenda already that we could get to to final stage. So instead, we created, let's say, kind of momentum. And that was kind of deliberate strategic decision because this we thought we could achieve. You had a buzz around healthcare that I don't think, with the exception, obviously, of, of Lithuania, when they had, you know, obviously now Commissioner Andrikaitis and, and everything that happened there. But I think since then, you really had a laser-like focus on digital healthcare and really brought all these international assets together. Yes, that is fascinating thing about Europe, that it doesn't matter that you're small. You have these six months, well, every country has smart people. And uh, yeah, well, we did preparatory work before our presidents as well. And we also maintained this momentum after. So we tried to work together with the consecutive presidencies. So what can we do already during our presidency in order to sustain this legacy of a long t uh, longer period? Now, one of the problems that Europe has, particularly with healthcare, is a lot of the systems are siloed. Aside from the politics that we discussed earlier, you have these, you know, the data in this part of, for payment goes to this department. You have the reimbursement that's owned by the HTA or then that goes to the Department of Health. And they don't, they're not interested necessarily in patient level data for efficiency and optimization. So you have these huge barriers just to access and lines of communication. How do you think the system you've built in Estonia can help break those down? I think at least uh, deep down, I believe it could or at least should boil down to one word, which is trust. Mm -hmm. And this is why my, my current job is also helping to create systems where the information uh, which is being used is also supporting creation of trust between inherently let's say, not always aligned interest groups. But if you talk with doctors or policymakers or pharmaceutical companies or hospital managers, in the, let's say, coffee table discussions and from a very kind of broad view, they could agree what they would like health systems to achieve. And then when it boils down to each individual role in that system, they feel that if they don't fight, you know, for their place under the sun, 
somebody else will come and take the place or money or, or, or power or glory or whatever. It's a zero-sum game, unfortunately. Yes. Well, it's not a zero-sum game. Well, it shouldn't be, but unfortunately, the way the compensation systems are built now in Europe, it is. Exactly. The HTAs end up being operation, Ex- operationally against the hospitals in some ways and things like that. Exactly. And that is why I believe that if, if everybody is now accommodated their business processes in this... Um, uh, situation where nobody has kind of full information or, or understanding of the system. It's very difficult to, you know, bring everybody around the table. So what we could do is that we have what, what I'd like to call single version of truth, and then you can start negotiating kind of uh, agreements. Or, well, they can be smart contracts in the end, but at least some first agreements which take into consideration that it is possible you know, to get better outcome for patients, you know, pay for those drugs or interventions that actually contribute to that, pay to those doctors who care mostly about the the actual outcome, but not necessarily doing a lot of uh, activities and also uh, maintaining that in a public health approach, which then balances those who have happen to have rare diseases and those who have more common diseases. But then again, they, they don't necessarily need to be managed kind of uh, as a uh, competing interest groups. There's a case study that I often roll out from a project we did back in, gosh, it's quite a while ago, 2013 now, where we were doing some work at a hospital and they asked us to look at their kidney transplant budgets and help them make some internal decisions. And what we found was they were having an argument if they should use cheaper kidneys from further away Africa and Latin America or use European kidneys. And there was quite a price difference, but the kidneys from further afield failed at a much higher rate. (laughs) And so they were having an internal argument. And what it came down to was there was an enormous cost savings from reducing the failure rate, but it had nothing to do with the hospital budget. It was the community budget because then you didn't have dialysis. And so there was no motivation whatsoever for the hospital administrator out of his budget by the more expensive kidneys, because all that would do was hurt his bottom line. Uh, obviously, we've seen this in drugs like Savaldi, where the liver transplants actually more than compensate for the cost of the drug, but yet the HTAs are screaming bloody murder because it absolutely destroys their budget. Practically, how can we fix that? Again, if we have a system which not only theoretically is capable of describing these kind of uh, differences, which uh, then would insist that, okay, uh, rational people should make certain decisions, but they have a certain individual perverse incentives which prevent them to do so. If we know and if we are living in the same information, uh, common information room, then it is possible to design policies and implement them over a longer period of time. So at any given point of time, it may be that the value and then the benefit uh, is distributed, uh, let's say, in a way that one or another side sees uh, unfair. But over a longer period of time, you can balance this out. And that's why we need information systems which are capable of capturing the data and what is happening with the people and the processes, not in a short time frame. And then everybody tries to maximize their share within that either transaction or budgetary period or whatever it is. It assumes that it is possible to compensate for some first um, period of stroke patient management with the last three months of rehabilitation under the same principle. Now, William Beveridge set up the socialist system of the NHS in the 40s. Obviously, Estonia 
is a relatively new Ascension country from the EU expansion to 27, 28 countries. Do you think the Eastern European countries that don't have these legacy systems built by William Beveridge 75 years ago, that don't have these institutional biases that have been sort of there for 50 years plus, do you think it's going to be easier for some of the more leaner, smaller Eastern European countries who are newer to the EU without these legacy systems to sort of leapfrog and get some of these things in place? I don't know whether this is good or or bad news, but Estonia has built the same kind of system following the advice by WHO and and World World Bank and all the others for the last 30 years now. Mm -hmm. So even though we don't have the baggage of 150 years, we have at least 30 years, but and we are very good students. <laughs> so we have built, you know, the same systems with, with with the same problems and challenges within. Yet the scale in for 1.3 million is slightly smaller than for uh, 80 million. But you know, the tension between primary care and hospital care, tension between you know large university hospitals and then community hospitals, tension between certain specialties as compared to others and tension between you know doctors and pharmaceutical companies they are there therefore if i would look at the greenfield then then i know that that many countries in asia are building the systems currently and and singapore singapore and all sorts of things yes and i think we we could and should learn from there but at the same time when i'm thinking of my own country estonia i still do think that the digital era can help us get quicker to rational decisions Mm -hmm. as compared to a situation where we wouldn't have this power of information. If you had one thing you could do now based on your experience in Estonia that you could roll out across the EU28 in the next six months, if you were given sort of fiat power, complete carte blanche, what one thing given your experience in Estonia do you think we could do for a quick win? I still would like to see that every European citizen 500 million people have easy access to their health data and files. And then I also think that, you know, actually the service to to help them to control that, even the simple things that give authorization for other doctors uh, to see the medical files from the previous ones, that would have already an enormous power of many things, either to getting policies implemented, uh, what uh, otherwise would be difficult, or then starting to build really integrated care pathways or whatever sophisticated solutions you want. Hi, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you.